For those of you who are new, my name is Craig. I'm the uh, lead pastor and the preaching pastor. Uh, so you're going to have to listen to me for a little bit this morning. <laughs> um, we have been in this series, Broken, Does uh, God Care? Does Jesus Care About My Pain? Um, and it has uh, maybe been the sermon series that more people have responded to than any other in my years of, of preaching. Uh, and I know that it's, it's impacted people, and I know that it's stirred things up, and people have talked to me, and, and all of that sort of thing. Uh, but so far, the, the, the response has been very, very positive. Um, and it kind of created in us, uh, in the staff, a discussion about about this business uh, of talking about these things. Because one of the things that's come up for a lot of people uh, is simply, we are so glad that the church is actually talking about this. Because the church doesn't talk about a lot of these sorts of things. So that kind of led us to this idea that we need to continue to pursue this. So inside your, uh, your worship folder, there's a little thing like this, and it says, what questions or topics would you like to address? Uh, so I think we're going to make this a, a semi-regular kind of thing where uh, we'll take some of those things and we'll say, okay, let's, let's, what does the Bible have to say about that? Let's, let's talk about that. So you can uh, put a question on there or a topic you'd like to have discussed. You don't have to sign your name. There's not even a place to sign your name. And you can just put it in the, um, in the give boxes back here or there's a box on the, the door to the office there. You can hand it to me if you want. But, but there are safe, anonymous places where you can do that because we, it's important to try and address the question you have. Sometimes as a staff, we have different questions than you. Uh, and so it's, it's good to know uh, what, what you have. And then we may plan some other sermon series uh, around some of that as we, as we go forward. Uh, the other thing I just want to hit real quickly before we jump in, next Sunday is Faith Promise. Woohoo! Yeah, let's try woohoo. Okay, next Sunday is Faith Promise. Oh, you guys are so good and <laughs> so kind to let me do that to you. <laughs> um, so I hope you'll be a part of that. Uh, Faith Promise is a time when we, uh, we give over and above our tithe uh, to spread the word around the world, the Great Commission, to go into all the nations. Uh, and the Church of the Nazarene has a giant missions program uh, that we support uh, through, through this. So I hope you'll come uh, prepared uh, in your heart uh, and with your wallet to, uh, to give uh, to the missionaries and to the work around the world. Um, so uh, let's go to our memory verse. Um, there we go. Um, let's, let's say this together. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I, I just I want to encourage you, especially some of you for whom this sermon series has stirred up a lot, this is a really good verse to actually memorize, to put into your brain so that the Holy Spirit can use it. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. If you're brokenhearted, guess what? God is moving closer to you uh, and saves those who are crushed in spirit, that, that he, is, he is with you and he is working redemptively uh, in the midst of all of that. Um, so over these last several weeks, we've been kind of working with this question, does the cross have good news for the sinned against, right? We talk a lot about the sinners, uh, but the sinned against sometimes get left out, and that un unintentionally sends the message uh, that the sinned against don't matter, and that's really not the kingdom uh, of God. Um, and so I want to kind of... Um, you know, as we've delved into these things, we talked about being abandoned by God, feeling abandoned by God. We, we've talked about forgiveness, and I don't mean the little stuff, I mean the big stuff that's really hard to forgive. And we, last week we kind of talked about shame and, and sexual assault and all of that sort of, that sort of thing, and so those have been pretty heavy. Uh, and there's, I, as I was kind of working through this, we're going to kind of go to a new 
spot today, but there are several quotes that in the book, and you all know that I've been kind of using the book uh, Backside of the Cross by uh, Dr. Uh, Diane LeClaire and Dr. Uh, Brent Peterson uh, for this series. It's a great book. I would encourage you, if you want to, to read it. It is written as a college textbook in theology, so it might be a little, you know, but it's a wonderful, wonderful book. But here's some quotes before we kind of move past this piece of it that I wanted to give to you because they're just meaningful to me. The cross is most certainly an act of divine love, where God in Christ most fully enters into the pain and suffering of human persons. Isn't that powerful? He enters into our pain. That's what we've been talking about. He understands what it is to be abandoned. He enters into your pain. He enters into having significant things to forgive. He enters into, you know, it was a revelation to some of you that Jesus was sexually abused by the way they exposed him on the, on the cross. And so uh, that he enters into our God, enters into the, our very pain uh, and suffering. And that's such an important part of what the cross uh, is all about. Because sometimes we get the cross as transactional, right? He paid for our sins so that we can go to heaven. And, and certainly there's a, absolutely a sense in which he absorbed the consequences of our sin so that we wouldn't have to in that piece of it. But that's not all that was happening on the cross, right? He actually entered into our pain as well. So there's a lot of things going on in atonement and, and in the cross. And then another one, oops, did it twice here. At the very heart of the Christian message is a self-emptying God who has experienced all of human life with us. Okay, he's experienced all of that and has the capacity not just to sympathize with our pain, but to empathize fully with our brokenness, right? You understand, we'll talk about sympathy, empathy in a little bit, but, but sympathy is kind of the, I feel sorry for you. Empathy is been there, done that, got the t-shirt, right? You know, uh, that, that having experienced it and having entered in emotionally with that sort of piece of it. So I love that our God is a God who is empathetic, Okay. And then the last one, God and Jesus experienced victimization at the hands of others. And this is kind of just to take the idea of the cross and put it in modern language of, of victimization. But I think it's important for us to remember that, that he, he plunged into this world knowing that this was going to happen to him, knowing that he was going to be abused and victimized. And ultimately, we killed him in the midst of all of that. And so you want to be here for our Good Friday service because that's where we kind of go to that place uh, together. Uh, and it's a, it's a, Wonderful, awful service. I don't want to say awfully wonderful, but it's wonderful in the sense that you kind of see where Jesus went and it's awful in that we're going to leave him on the cross at the end of all of that. So this morning, the question I want to deal with, focus a little bit, is does the resurrection have good news for the sinned against? What do you think? Oh, good. Because if you think no, then that's going to be a little more difficult. So this is the, the wonderful thing is, is the, the resurrection is now what we're going to focus on. I know this is early. I'm going to preach a little bit different on Easter as we kind of see the broader thing. But I really want, think it's important to bring uh, the resurrection into uh, all, all of this. Uh, and so we all know that, that the resurrection can change the heart of the sinner, right? That God does a powerful work that he's broken. You know, the power of sin and death is broken. Amen right? You know, and Jesus is alive and we celebrate that and we'll celebrate it in a big way uh, on Easter. Um, but uh, the, the good news is that he does more than that. It isn't just for the sinner that gets changed. He does a, a work in us. In fact, um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Uh, and we're going to look at some scripture here uh, together. Um, Luke 24, 
verses 1 uh, through 8 together. And this is just the actual resurrection. You guys know the story. Death on the cross, three days in the tomb, uh, took him down. It's Friday, so they don't get to really prepare his body. They put him in the tomb, and it's now Sunday morning because uh, the Jewish Sabbath started on Friday evening at sundown, uh, and now uh, they're, they're there. The women are coming. So let's pick this up here. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, okay, so they got up early and came to the tomb. By the way, so God blesses early risers. <laughs> okay, that may have been a stretch. <laughs> Some of them are going, that's really bad exegesis, brother. So they came to the tomb bringing the spices, which they had prepared, okay, so they're for the body. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And you got to understand, that would have been quite surprising to them, Right? because they hadn't told anybody to do this, and it was sealed. So it was a big deal to mess with that, okay? But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. The surprises just keep coming here, okay? While they were perplexed about this, what in the world is going on? Behold, two men suddenly stood near them in gleaming clothing. I love the way Scripture understates things, right? Okay, so it's like barely light out. You've gone inside this cave, so it's probably pretty dark in there. And the body is missing. This is a a grave, essentially. And suddenly, two men in in gleaming clothes appear. Now, I don't know about you, but they'd be peeling me off the ceiling. Okay, you know, it would just be like, ah. So I wish we had the full text of everything that went on, but they go on. And as the women were terrified and bowed down their faces, I'll bet they were terrified. They go down to the ground. The men said to them, and this is so important. I love this. This is my favorite uh, uh, proclamation of, of the resurrection. Why are you seeking the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has. Okay, let's try again. He has. Yes, and all this. I, I love this, and maybe a little hint about what Easter is going to be like. This kind of captures the human condition, I think, in some ways. We are often seeking life in the place of the dead, and we have a Savior who is alive, and that's where life is. Amen. Okay. So, uh, so this, this one moment with those with those words, everything changes, right? You know, the whole world shifts. The the creation that has been longing for the coming of the Savior that that recognizes the problem of sin and the destructiveness of sin and the the evil that that we uh, prey upon one another with. There wasn't a good a solution to that from Adam until until this moment. The, the the solution was the law, but the law wasn't enough, and they they needed more. And in this moment, the world radically changed. In fact, I would argue that the resurrection is the most powerful force the world has ever known because it can change the heart. And when you change the heart, you change everything. It changes the direction. It changes what people do. It changes how they see the world. It it makes them new. And, And so the resurrection is the thing that makes everything else possible, that our hearts can be changed. It's crazy to think about that. But I have seen people be radically, radically changed when they put their faith in Christ and experience the power of the resurrection. And some of you know the story of my father who was really a bad guy, you know, a biker back when bikers were not lawyers with $25,000 Harleys. He was a bad dude and he met God one day and it radically changed his life in so, so many ways. I absolutely believe in the power of the resurrection to change a life. Amen? Okay? So, but 
The power of the resurrection can heal the wounded and give them back their life that was stolen from them. I believe that it's not just to change the sinner, but, but for those who are sinned against, that God has a power to, to heal the wounded. Heal the wounded. Did you hear what I said? Let's try it again. Heal the wounded. Yeah, that he can do that, that that wound that is in your heart, he has a cure for that. He has an answer for that and give back the life that was stolen because you know this. When you get deeply, deeply wounded, when you experience a a profound loss, when you have a, a divorce in your life, when you lose someone you love, there is a wound in there that changes you and it changes your life. And, and some of those things will just take your life just off course. It, it, it breaks trust and you can't trust and you can't operate in the world if you can't trust or it creates fear and fear controls you and, and it, it just, it just throws everything off. And I believe that the resurrection has an answer to that, that God has provided for us because <laughs> the resurrection of Jesus offers power and hope for the sinned against. It's not just for the sinner, it's for the sinned against as well. The cross and the resurrection in one sense are two halves of the, the same coin, that the deeply wounded, that, that you experience what it is to die with Christ in a sense. You experience that, that death that happens in, in all of that. And yet, the good news is, Jesus isn't just Lord of the cross, Jesus is Lord of the resurrection, amen? So the resurrection is God's declaration that evil in all of its forms does not get the final word. If you want to know what this whole sermon's about, there it is right there. And I love this. The resurrection is God's declaration. He has stood up and said, death, you don't get the final word, okay? He doesn't. that, That what has happened to you is not the end of your story. That God has so much more for you. And yet, we live in a world that is just filled with that kind of stuff. So I kind of sat down while I was sitting at my desk there, and it was late in the afternoon, and I was kind of having trouble concentrating. And so I I said, okay, how many words, how many kind of descriptions, words of evil can I get? And so here's what I did for just, this didn't take long at all, which is kind of scary. Violence, aggression, intimidation, fear, hostility, brutality, cruelty, bloodshed, force, abuse, mistreatment, molesting, battery, abandonment, desertion, rejections, neglection, neglecting, pain, suffering, injustice, betrayal, evil grief, evil grief, sorrow, misery, anguish, unfairness, prejudice, inequity, discrimination. Does it bother anybody else that I can come up with that many words in just a few minutes? We live in a fallen, broken world. And that's all around us. But the good news in Jesus Christ is all of those words are not the end of the story. They do not get the final word. God gets the final word. And so the resurrection demonstrates God's love. He will not allow sin and death to have the final word. He reserves the right to himself and his word is life. Life, life. This is just so amazing to me. We live in a world that believes that death is the final word. And we're just crazy enough to say, death is not the final word. The final word is life. You realize what we believe is absolutely nuts, right? You know, I mean, all the empirical evidence is you die and you stay dead. That's the end. But that's not the end because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, And so in the midst of this, where there's death and pain and sorrow and all of that, we we cling to this idea that there can be more. And that brokenness and that dead place, that that place that's just 
awful for you, that God can bring life to this. And you know how I know this? How, how many of you read like books and mysteries and things like that? Any of you do that? Yeah, I, I don't because I get real curious about halfway through and then I read the end of the book. Right? Oh, that's who did it. Can I tell you when it comes to Christian faith, I read the end of the book. God wins, you know? Yeah, praise God. So listen to this. this <coughs> excuse me. This is the second to last chapter of the book of Revelation, the last book, the last sort of thing. Listen to these words. Uh, John, the apostle John in, in this vision. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them, okay? They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. God is with you. Wherever you are, Emmanuel, the God who is with us, whenever you feel abandoned, you just go back to Revelation chapter 21 and say, no, 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 devil. It says he's with us. He's with us, okay? Verse four, and I love this. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And he will wipe away every tear. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, praise God, or mourning, or crying, or even pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That list of words I read you, wipe it out. No more of that. We're getting rid of that. The new thing that God is going to do, God can and will wipe every tear from our eyes and heal us from the inside out. That deadly blow that seemed to destroy your life, God is working to make a difference through that. And it begins this process. We live in a kingdom that is both now and future, right? There's a future sort of thing. We're going to be in heaven together for eternity. Yeah, I might be your neighbor. Just think about that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but the good news is that we don't have to wait for that, that it starts here, that the healing, that the resurrection life, that the change begins in this life. And in fact, this is where a lot of that happens in, in our world and, and it begins in all kinds of wonderful ways, okay? So look, look at this quote. Just as persons have a Christ who has died with them, okay, they too can be raised in hope and power to live a new life beyond the disempowerment they, were, they have endured. When you were wounded, did you feel helpless, powerless, couldn't do anything about it? Okay, the good news of the resurrection is that there is hope and power for a new life for a new beginning, for a new thing that God wants to do in your life. If you have died with Christ, you also will be raised with him. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 6, we'll talk a little more about that. Okay, the power of the resurrection can transform open wounds into scars, reminding us of God's healing power. The power of the resurrection can transform open wounds. Some of you got open wounds. Into scars, Reminding us of God's healing power. I am a big believer in scars. I'm a scar person. Because you know what a scar means? You've been healed. You've been fixed. 
I got about eight inches of scar from there to about there where they took a tumor out of me. And if they had not taken that tumor out of me and left that scar, I would be dead. That's just the bottom line in this sort of thing. I like my scar. Every time I look at it, I go, thanks be to God. Because what could have been is not because of that scar. And there's a healing that has happened in my life. Plus, it makes me the cool grandpa because I got a really long scar. And three-year-old boys think it's really cool. Plus, there's a little devit in my leg, you know, and they're like, oh, that's so cool, grandpa. You know, so, well, we're off track now. (laughs) One of the things I love about Doubting Thomas, you know, Doubting Thomas, remember he didn't believe, was that uh, Jesus didn't give him a giant proof. You know, here's the logical argument for why resurrection works, you know. He simply said, look at my scars, Thomas my hands, my feet. Put, put, put your finger in, in, in my side. There's something powerful about scars in our lives. And, and that's, that's, that's part of the reason the whole forgive and forget thing is silly, right? Because you're going to have scars from this. But you can be healed. And the scar is a representative of the new life God has done. He can transform all of that. Brokenness can be mended, diseased, healed, prisoners set free, liberation for the oppressed and marginalized, the invitation to experience God's healing for our outside and for our inside. So the cross is, a powerful, uh, is as powerful for the sinned against as it is for the sinner. There's the whole thing right there. As powerful as, as the cross is, as powerful for the sinned against as it is for the sinner, and the resurrection is as powerful for the sinned against as for the sinner. Amen? That he wants to do a work in, in our lives. Um, in the same way, uh, this is the verse from Romans, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Okay, say alive to God, alive to God. No, 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 not alive to God, alive to God. (laughs) You really let me do that to you too, you know that, right? You're complicit, you're enabling this, okay? (laughs) You know, I kind of kid around about that, but I think, especially for us that have been raised in the church, you've heard this verse a thousand times, and we just kind of blow by it, and yet... This is mind-altering to think that we can, because we have died with, with Christ, we can be alive to God. That is good news. That is gospel, my friends. That's the part that's so important that, that Jesus has broken the power of, of sin and death and that the resurrection brings us alive. I, I sometimes think about the resurrection, and again, I'll get myself in trouble. You guys never go back to any of my old theology teachers and tell them what I say, okay, because I'll be in trouble. But sometimes when I think about the resurrection, I think about anti-venom. We don't really have poisonous snakes around here, for which I am very thankful, by the way. But when we lived in Missouri, they had poisonous snakes. In fact, the week before we were supposed to move into our very first parsonage, we were so excited, going to be a senior pastor and all of that, and we're moving in, and we got in there, and we hadn't been in there very long, and the the neighbor from across the street who were Christians came and kind of introduced themselves and did the whole friendly thing. And in the course of that conversation, the, the lady said, oh, by the way... Last week, I killed about a six-foot water moccasin in your front yard. Okay, I need a new church. (laughs) In Washington, preferably, where they don't have those things. And so you think about things like antivenom, right? You know, you get bit by a snake, it doesn't get you immediately, but the poison begins to spread. So the key is to get a treatment quickly and get something that will stop that. 
And I believe the resurrection, we've all been bit by sin, you've all been wounded in some sort of way, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the anti-venom. You just got to apply it to your life. You got to let the cross, the, the resurrection uh, loose in, in your life. In fact, there's a really great word. Say sozo. Yeah, there are a couple of you that know what that means. Uh, it's the word that's very often used for salvation, right? And when we think of salvation, usually we think of, hey, we're going to heaven, right? We're going to be together in that place. Our sins are forgiven, and, and now we're ready to, to make heaven. And sometimes that can lead to some kind of bad ideas, some bad theology, like what I call fire insurance theology, you know? Hey, I've got insurance. I'm not going to burn in hell, so I'm going to heaven, you know? Or, hey, I, I'm all secure. I'm ready to go. I'm just going to hunker down and wait for Jesus to come back which is not what he talks about. So let me read one of the two verses um, where this word appears. One of them you're quite familiar with. Uh, it's two verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Anybody familiar with this one? Okay. <laughs> that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be sozo, saved through him. Okay, we're kind of talking about eternity. Let me read another one. Now, you remember the story of the, the lepers, the 10 lepers that came to Jesus and he told them to go and, and present themselves and kind of go through the ceremony. And only one of them came back, right? And, and talked to him. And he, Jesus said to him, your faith has, has made you well. And the word well there, sozo. The word sozo carries with it certainly the idea of eternal salvation, but it also carries the idea of healing or cure. And a part of our salvation is this thing that God wants to do us. Again, the kingdom of God is in the, in the present, in the now. There's something going on. We are moving. I tell you all the time that, that spiritual growth is becoming like Jesus. Amen? Okay? It's not memorizing verses. It's becoming like Jesus. And, and he's doing that in our lives, that, that salvation is both eternal and now. There's a healing he wants to do. There's things he wants to do, take you to, new, new levels of, uh, of life. Salvation isn't just rescue from hell's fire. It's healing and curative for what is wrong with us and wrong with our world. Amen? And then a couple of things just kind of about resurrection. I think resurrection seals our adoption. Adoption's a, a wonderful Well, I love that we have people in our church uh, that have adopted, and some of you who have been adopted and and now I've grown up. There's a, a meme going around on, on social media that I love. There's a couple of different versions, but it all comes down to basically something like this. There's a kid standing there holding a sign and a bunch of adults around and a judge. And you can pretty much tell by looking at the kid, he doesn't fit into the rest of the family, right? You're kind of wondering what the judge, and he's holding a sign and it says something like this. I was in foster care for 10 years and today I found my forever family. First time I saw that, I lost it. <laughs> I think I was in my office. So if you ever go by my door and I'm crying, just keep going. It's okay. It's probably something that got a hold of me. I, I think about that, that, that that's what's true for all of us. We were lost in sin. We were in the broken place. We carry around in our body these things. And, and, and then Jesus came along through the power of the resurrection and adopted us into his family that you are a part of God's family. And here's the cool thing about adoption. Well, here's, there's, there's two sides to this. So, you know, when you have kids biologically, it, the, the, the hard part is you get what you get. <laughs> You're all going, uh, that's true and funny, but I don't really want to laugh about it. But it's, uh, you know. You know what the really cool thing about adoption is? You choose. You choose. 
You, you choose it. God chose you to be a part of his family. Look at the person next to you and say, God chose you. You have been adopted by his choice. You are no longer abandoned. Your father is within you. And, and get this, he chose you knowing all of your flaws. <laughs> are some of you unaware of what your flaws are? I can help you with that, okay? <laughs> or your spouse can help you with that. So let me try it again. God chose you knowing all of your flaws. Yeah, he, he, he's for you. He is your, your father. Uh, he is the Emmanuel, the God who is with us. And then um, the resurrection transforms our wounds into medicine for healing. You see, I think there's something powerful about how God will take our own brokenness. And when we begin to get healed, he will give us the ministry of helping to heal others, which is kind of what he did on the cross, right? He took all that on and then he gave the us. And, and, and I just, I think it's so cool that God does this. There's a really great passage of this. You guys remember the story of Joseph and his brothers and all of that? Okay, I may need to preach on that this summer. This summer I'm going to preach on Old Testament stories. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. But the story of Joseph is that, that he, his dad liked him best, and so he had a coat of many colors, and his older brothers didn't like that, so they dropped him deep down in a hole, and then they sold him off into slavery into Egypt. And he rose up, and eventually he becomes the number two man to uh, Pharaoh himself, and a giant, you know, uh, uh, lack of food came along. What's the word for that? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Famine came along and, and, you know, he's doling out all the food and his brothers don't have any food. So they come down and he toys with them for a little bit, which kind of sounds like sibling rivalry to me, you know. Uh, and, and then he finally, he reveals himself to them. They, after they have put him through literally hell on earth, he's had to be a slave, all of this. This is just one of the most amazing passages. Genesis 50 verse 20 says this. This is Joseph talking to his brothers. As for you... You meant evil against me, but God meant good in order to bring about this present result to keep many people alive. See how God works in that? I mean, we kind of talk about it in the New Testament. We kind of talk about the fact that God always brings good out of bad, amen? And so it is for you, for the, the resurrection, the healing of your wounds, that it might be medicine to others around you. I don't believe God causes you to be victimized. That is just not the way it does. But he uses those wounds to help you and to help others. Amen. One of the most powerful parts of recovery is when you can turn and help someone who is facing the same thing as you were facing to help them get healed. And um, so if you're new, I apologize. One of the things you need to know about me is I have a very overactive imagination when it comes to Scripture. So... Just hold on for a minute. But when I think about this, how the Lord takes our brokenness where the devil wounded us in some sort of way and the devil's going, the kingdom of darkness is on the move, you know? And then God comes along and he takes that and he heals it. And then he sends them out to heal other people who have been broken. I just think God goes, in your face, devil. <laughs> okay, I have an overactive imagination. But I kind of think there's something about that where the, the, he literally takes the brokenness and uses it for good. Only God can do that. Only God can untwist the sin and bring it back to wholeness and, and health. I mean, we talked about this. Sin is, is always the devil twisting something good God created, right? You understand that? Devil can't create anything. He just twists God's good stuff. And God untwists it back and uses it for healing and grace. 
And it makes a special thing when people who have been wounded go out and heal others. I want to read to you a a passage from a a Catholic priest and and theologian of some renown by the name of Henry Nouwen, um, who I love. He just, he gets me sometimes. Hear these words from uh, from his journal. God's grace and love works through us most strongly, works through us most strongly, not out of some realized perfection, but out of our brokenness. Not out of our soundness, but out of our wounds. Not out of our strength, but out of our weakness. Nobody escapes being wounded. We are all wounded people, whether physically or emotionally or mentally or spiritually. The main question is not, how can we hide our wounds so that we won't have to be embarrassed? But how can we put our woundedness through the service of others. When our wounds cease to be a source of shame and become a source of healing, we have become wounded healers. Amen. Say wounded healers. You see, that's, that's God's grace for you. That's, that's the, the power to transform these wounds into a medicine that is, is healing in our lost and, and broken world. And then the power of empathy is deeply healing. You see, your woundedness means that you can minister to people that I can't. It's what I call the cancer club thing I've been kind of talking about. When I got cancer, all of a sudden people talk to me and I can talk to them because we all understand. There's all kinds of cancer clubs. They're just not called cancer clubs. there's, There's the club of people who have lost a child that they loved. Nobody understands that until you've been in that place and nobody wants to join that club. But if that's happened to you, you have a grace for other people in that situation. There's, there's the, 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 the club of people that have been assaulted in some sort of way, and, and that's a part of it. And you can minister to people. And, and again, God doesn't cause it to happen to you, but God uses it to bring healing to others that are in that, that same place in your life and in, and in their lives. It's just so important to understand that God wants to use what happened to you, not only for you to be healing and give praise to God, but for you to be involved in helping others heal. Uh, this picture is a picture um, done by a, a famous uh, artist um, by the name of uh, Young Sun Kim. Uh, and I, I'm emotionally attached to this one. It's a picture of Jesus. Remember when Peter sank and reaching down and getting it? Because when I was a little boy, um, I used to like to watch a, uh, a, a TV show called Sea Hunt. Any of you remember that? You're dating yourself. Don't raise your head. <laughs> It's all about this diver that went down on all these adventures, and I grew up right on the ocean, and so I saw lots of divers. And I was, I don't know, I may have been four or five, something like that. My dad was out at the end of the pier. He was fishing, uh, and, and he had a fish on. It was actually reeling it in. My mom was up on the beach kind of talking to this other lady, and, and the lady looked over, and I was on the pier out there too, looked over to my mom and said, did that little boy jump in or fall in? Needless to say, my mom got very excited, screamed at my father, uh, and my dad to this day, well, he's not with us, but to his dying day, say, only time he ever dropped a pole with a fish on. (laughs) There's a little resentment in there. (laughs) But I remember being under the water. It's one of my earliest memories. And I remember the hand of my father reaching down. He grabbed me by my coat and pulled me up and set me on that dock in that moment. And I am telling you, that if you are sinking in the sorrow and the pain, that the resurrected Lord wants to grab you and pull you up 
You can't do it on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in in your life. And it may be that healing is a long journey. It may be a lifetime journey. But if you don't go on the journey, you don't get anywhere. Amen? And he wants to do a powerful thing in you. It starts with forgiveness. And we've talked about forgiveness is not letting the person back into your life. It doesn't let them off the hook, any of that sort of stuff. In fact, in forgiving, you may need to create boundaries from unhealthy people. That's okay. Confession, sharing it with someone else or something so powerful. Scripture tells us to bear one another's burdens. So powerful when people who have been wounded in the same way share that with one another. And I would encourage you to find other people and I can maybe help connect you to share what happened with other people that are safe. We believe in counseling. We are not anti-counseling sort of people, amen? We believe that's God's gift of, of healing, just like a medical doctor or any of those sorts of things. You know, I, my, my mentoring pastor talking about healing versus, supernatural healing versus healing through doctors. He said, if you break your leg, you pray for healing in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, Amen. And so get involved with that. Get a professional to help. But the first step is to let Jesus in and let him take control of all of that. We're going to close with communion. And if those who are going to help us uh, would come uh, now and and help prepare for that. Here's the image I think about when I think about the Lord on the cross. I think about those scars, but before those things were scars, they were wounds, and Jesus would have bled from his hands and, and from his feet and, and from his side, and it would have gone down the cross and probably down the side of his body with all of that. And I, I think often about the passage of Scripture that says, by his wounds we are healed in Isaiah. Now I know this again is too much imagination, but sometimes I think when we come and we, we take the, the bread and, the, and the, the juice and we take it in our body, I kind of have this image of the very blood of Christ moving through my body and healing and forgiveness and renewal of life. And so this morning, I invite you. I invite you to take into your body symbolically the blood of Jesus Christ that is a healing agent for the wounds that maybe nobody else knows about. Maybe it's that secret sort of thing that you haven't shared with anybody. Very often when people share that thing with me, they'll tell me, well, you're only the second person or the third person I've ever shared this with. And so I know those are out there. And you don't have to share it with me, but Christ knows. And so this morning, I invite you to the table of the Lord, to the one who is healing, the one who has broken the power of sin and death. And you have no shame. Okay, shame's on the perpetrator. You have no shame and you are welcome. You are embraced with love at God's table. Let me pray. Father God, Lord, I am so thankful for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, that you would move now amongst us as you have been moving, Father, that you would speak. Father, I pray that you would move especially to begin the process of healing in people's lives. Forgive them, Father, for for holding back from that. Lord, in this moment, would you just empower them to step towards you and to embrace your, your blood that was shed for them as a healing agent in their life, Father. I pray now, Lord, that you would inhabit these elements by your spirit, this broken body and, and shed blood that is before us. And we're reminded, Lord, that on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread. And when you had given thanks, you broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is broken for you. Whenever you do this, remember, remember 
that this is the agent of healing in your life. After supper, you took the cup, and when you had again given thanks, you gave it to them saying, this is the new covenant, the new way. As often as you do this, remember that life is found in Christ. May the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ preserve us blameless unto everlasting life. Let us come to the table of the Lord. Hey, church family. Thank you for watching this video. It is amazing that you consider this your church home. If you do consider this your church home, we would ask that you would share this video with a friend. If God has been speaking to you, we would hope that you would share this message. As always, like and subscribe so that you don't miss a single video and tune in each Sunday at 10 a.m. on our live stream or you can join us in person. We'll see you next week. God bless.